It's Monday. It's time for Into the Microcosm. And we are on the app. Like the doodah man together. More or less in line. Just keep chugging on. We got a great show planned for you today. We got a great guest, William Ramsey, is going to be joining us, author of the Global Death Cult, The Order of the Nine Angels. We're going to get into it. Brandy Lou is here. Nano Girl is here. I'm here. You're here. So, I think uh, the time has come for us to get this ball rolling. On into the microcosm, and like I said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm not going to waste too much time here with a bunch of this and that. Uh, I really want to get down to blast, uh, brass tacks. So, uh, the author is William Ramsey. Uh, the book is Global Death Cult The Order of Nine Angels, Adam Waffen, and the Slaughter of the Innocents. Uh, is there a secret group with the far reaching plans to influence societies around the world? How can this group, the Order of the Nine Angels, be traced from the British neo-Nazi movement to a series of transitional cells with global reach? How did the ideology of the Order of the Nine Angels influence the commission of brutal crimes in the United States of America, Canada, and elsewhere? How did the O9A, whose formation began with a small group in England, grow to international prominence? This mystery will be unlocked with our guest, William Ramsey. Are you there? I'm here. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. Excellent. I, hey, I'm super stoked to have you. Uh, welcome. And uh, how you doing? Everything going good where you are? I mean, uh, right. excellent, excellent. Well, let's just get right into it. I mean, um, I you know, I told you I'd been moving into a new studio and I hadn't had time to read your book and I apologize for that. Um, and so let's just get into it. Maybe you can just give us all a brief description of what it is exactly that we're going to be talking about today. And then let's just get right into it. Yeah, I think that uh, the book really covers the formation and foundation of really a new kind of occult group called the Order of Nine Angles, not Angels. So it's Angles. It's based upon... The angles between the planets and I their see. ideas of I see that. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yes. Okay. And that makes a lot of sense too. I'm s so, I apologize for that. It's okay. So the the ONA kind of started in the early eighties and was kind of a splinter group or came out of the uh, national socialism movement in the UK and really started just writing manuscript after manuscript. So very small tracks, maybe two or three pages. And those two or three page tracks grew into two or three uh, smaller tracks and then into books and then into a series of books. So it really kind of is something that is post-Hitler, post-Aleister Crowley, and really took off with the advent of the Internet. So it was able to not only disperse its ideas and ideology, its corpus, its texts, but also kind of communicate with people around the world much like the far rights group. So this would be a subtext, a subgroup within the Western far right group environment. Well, so what what is the order of the nine angles in reference to? Now, is this a sacred uh, geometric shape or forms that are 
that are set in place uh, to form some sort of a uh, prison. In other words, kind of. They believe the Order of Nine Angles is really the all of the Sun, Moon, stars, Jupiter, Venus, Mercury, Saturn, and then the inclusion of kind of uh, a Stargate and a Mansgate. So their angles. Their symbol, if you see it, it's on the cover of my book. Yeah, I see it. I'm looking at it right now. Kind of nine angles. But they believe that there are kind of portals and dark gates where they try to presence dark energies that are very similar to Lovecraft's kind of old gods, dark gods. Well, this ties in. Presence them into our plane of existence. And this ties into exactly some conversation we were having a couple of days ago. Where we were talking about these these points on these ge- these sacred geometry points that were set up as stargates, and we were talking about the uh, the face of the earth being a motherboard, and that there and that these these uh, religious you know the, now they're religious, but at some point they were just energy generation devices or some sort of a power generation tool, and that these specific intersecting points is where you find the magic or where the ley lines intersect or whatever it may be, and maybe you're even going to talk about some of that tonight. Well, I mean, I think that they, I don't know if they believe so much in ley lines, although I think that their real ideas are kind of druidic. So okay. they take from, you know, the power of the earth and mm-hmm. uh, they're very much into water mm-hmm. and uh, you'll see a lot of their imagery is like on the shoreline into the great ocean. So they believe in kind of this difference between what they would call the causal and a causal realms, kind of like a spiritual realm and mm-hmm. then the worldly realm but uh, well, i think that really what they're trying to do is really presence these dark energies into the world and uh that's really why they have these kind of dark gods that's really their, their dark god ideology mm-hmm. they have 21 dark gods that supposedly came from uh some ancient text from sumeria so they believe their dark gods go all the way back to you know prehistory Mm, I'm sure they do. <laughs> There's not a question in my mind. What's, what's got me? What's got me wondering though, is about these uh, these uh, stargates and these portal uh, sections. And this, uh, I'm, I'm curious: is there any connection to the tribe of Dan with the global death cult? I mean, because there's not to my knowledge. I don't know about that. I mean, I think their real connection is to kind of far right groups. And Adam Laughlin would be one of them. And also anybody really involved in kind of far-right fascism, I think. But this would be like far uh, esoteric Hitlerism or is a kind of a cult fascism is really what this group. I mean, they're, they have a 300-year plan mm-hmm. to create kind of what they would call a dark imperium, which uh, would be them really ruling over the mund- what they would call the mundanes. Mm-hmm. And so they really are trying to infiltrate and use kind of techniques to put their own people in power. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've been really that successful on a political level, mm-hmm. but I think that as far as organizing and getting far more and more adherence, uh, they've grown from, they're probably, some, somebody 10 years ago guesstimated their total membership of like known members is only one to 2,000. But I think that their ideology and their ideas have really disseminated far beyond that. So well, there's a lot of people in cult environments who know about the ONA kind of corpus. Well, what's interesting to me about this, and this is unique from this aspect as far as I know, is that they're a group of magicians or a group of, of people that are doing or working magic 
that actually have a political viewpoint uh, that they're that they're out there trying to support. Or in other words, um, why does it matter if it's an ultra conservative or a Nazi who they get in office? It could be a nice person, you know. It's a a nice guy with a pimp hand, you know. He talks gentle, but he smacks you hard. I, I mean, what's the difference? Why why are they why are they on the uh, on the ultra conservative part of this? Why does that have anything to do with the magic that they that they say that they're bringing? Well, that's a great point. I think that's really where they came out of is kind of the guy who founded the ONA, David Myatt, came out of National Socialism. Okay, but he actually has this idea of practicing insight roles. So you kind of go and join radical groups and just try to advance the general chaos of your group right. so it's not the external kind of forms are not as material is as much as presencing kind of this chaotic uh, worldview so for example he was a nazi and then became a very radical muslim for 10 years okay so he just joined a muslim group but also he learned he was in a, a monastery for 18 months. So he learned the monastic tradition. Mm-hmm. So you can see this kind of ide- ideological influences from both of those things in the ONA. But I think that really, and it's interesting because in my book I show that some of these people were ONA occultists before they joined far-right groups in the U.S., whether the Adam Waffen or I think in the U.K. it's called National Alliance or National Action. But they... Mm-hmm. Uh, these people, so the occultists are attracted to these far-right groups. Well, it's interesting, man. Uh, you know, it's mostly because uh, really at the point that you're trying to get something done, um, and, and, you know, chaos magic is part of that, but to be to, to insert or uh, uh, put people into these other groups to help inflame political situations to achieve the turmoil that you need to have uh, in order for these other things, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, cause and effect. Uh, so, right. Well, that's an interesting point because they definitely have this kind of accelerationist philosophy, which is you're supposed to accelerate the downfall so you can come to power. So almost like the Nazis, in a way, came to power through all of the chaos of the preceding decades, right? World War I, uh, massive inflation, global depression, so I think that these guys think on the same lines, like destruction and and chaos is a, is a means whereby they can take that ascendancy in the future. So I think that that's why they have this kind of chaotic out, out, outlook. It's kind of like order from chaos. It's also, mm-hmm. also that same principle that's in the Masons. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting to me also that uh, the magic that's being done um, – from an occultic standpoint, from a sim- symbolic standpoint, or from a logos, when you move into the electronic uh, era, and you can you can basically present logos, uh, you know, at, at you know rates of speed that have you know, at, and and in conjunction with others to create sort of a uh, a magic through the internet. And uh, and so is is that what you were sort of alluding to earlier when you said that they kind of expanded uh, their their reach? Yes, I think that people found their their writings much more easily through the internet. Like right now, there's like a big book of ONA literature. It's like ten thousand pages, so people can download whatever they want, and they don't really have like a, a normal outlook on copyright. So they want to disperse their ideology. But I don't know if they're really doing magic 
using the internet. Maybe they see it as a magical act, but I think their original documents, like the Black Book of Satan and Naos, had what they would call internal, external magic. Mm -hmm. So they're doing that, but I don't think that they really, when at the foundation of this group, they didn't even foresee the internet, but the internet was really one of their primary tools really to this day my understanding is is to disseminate in information and also communicate with different members so i have one chapter that is just shows all of these groups on a global level like in different countries that there are these small groups of the ona in sweden finland mm -hmm. uh, spain philippines uk u.s canada germany belgium so russia so there are little pieces of it serbia so there's little pieces that have been seeded throughout uh, the world. And their ideas, at least if you're adhering to their, if you're a real hardliner on their ideas, they believe they're above the law. So they have contempt for uh, the political systems and the laws of whatever country they're in, if they're really obeying kind of their, the ONA ideology. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is there's a, you know, Satanism has, has gained in popularity around the world uh, over a period of time, you know, since World War II. And, you know, it's it's done that in the same way that these guys are talking about the way that they do what they do. And and that is that they're not necessarily out there promoting anything, but they go and they'll be someplace and just point stuff out. You know that's common sense, and and so it's not that easy to uh, to coerce some people, but for the most part, most people are easily coerced and will easily believe or uh, you know follow uh, people when they are leaderless. And so you see, um, there's really been no strong leader around. I say other than Trump lately, who's on the right. There's really no no strong uh, leader that's presented themselves is there somebody in particular in this group uh that you would say may be high up or a real influential party as far as the uh well i think the original writer of it definitely was this guy david Maya. definitely influential whether they have different things they have something called the outer head of the order so they had different outer heads that are supposedly kind of shaping the group and also communicating with other members so whether that's happening today, I mean, there's definitely one person who's the outer head today. And mm -hmm. whether that is kind of like their leader, I would say that that's their leader. Really, somebody who's writing a lot of ONA literature and expanding their ideology. Yeah. Is there a, any connection to the Council for National Policy, which is an extreme right? No, no, no. I don't, I, don't, I don't think these guys, I mean, they may have infiltrated certain groups. How much so? Like in my book, I show that some of these ideas, these guys are clearly trying to get into the military or into the National Guard. Mm -hmm. But whether they're into or have successfully infiltrated, you know, these non-governmental organizations on the right is really um, not. I just never found any evidence of that, mm -hmm. that there were very sophisticated people doing it. It was really younger men, typically white 
25, 30 year olds. Mm-hmm. But so uh, these are so these are more or less what we're talking about is the recruitment of Joe Blows on the street. You're not saying that this group is is tied in with influential groups like the Council for National Policy, who's a secretist right group, just like uh, the Council on Foreign Relations or uh, the Trilateral Commission on the left. The same thing exists on the right, but you never hear anybody talk about it, and that's the Council for National Policy. They direct and and control everything on the right. And so when I'm asking you about that, that's why I was asking you because it seems to me right. like what you're saying is the movement is, is a grassroots movement and it's not people in yeah. control and command. Go ahead. No, no. I don't think that they have those reasons. I never found any evidence of that. I found them very much kind of, uh, I think, originally came out of far-right movements, but now, like, for example, the kind of outer head, I don't even think is a white. I think she's... Mm-hmm. Uh, Asian and, and Latino, like a mix of something like that. So mm-hmm. they're not adhering to, I would say, the racial policies. But, um, yeah, I don't see them really as the people who were involved. I couldn't see anybody super sophisticated. But I think that this was uh, dispersed the group. I do, I do think that the formulation or formation of the group, somebody highly intelligent did it. But I don't see them, I mean... With their doctors or lawyers or things like that, I never found any evidence of that. Excellent. Well, um, we're here with William Ramsey, author of The Global Death Cult, uh, The Order of the Nine Angles. And, uh, you know, I'm going to add Giuseppe Vafangulo. He's going to come on in and join us, too, I think, here in a minute. Um, as soon as he can. But Brandy and Nano Girl, will you guys please come on in? I know you guys have questions uh, for our guests. And uh, come on in and let's uh, get the ball rolling with some questions from you ladies. You know, I have been around the block a little bit, sort of like a couple of people in our chat are saying, and I've never heard of this group. I know I'm familiar with the activity, but not this particular group. And I guess my couple of questions on it is where they originated from and would this be people that we would see say for instance infiltrate a church or infiltrate and a group of some kind in order to do their activities i think so so the first question is it comes out of the uk like the original guy who was most likely the person responsible for writing it is from the uk and was in leeds and shropshire so these two kind of areas of the uk and as far as infiltration i think that if they're in the group their ideas are to infiltrate organizations. So they have this concept of called insight roles, and you're supposed to gain experience. So they would definitely be in churches. They could. They could be in anything. They could be across the left or right paradigm. There could be people in Antifa who are ONA. You wouldn't know. They've been attracted mostly to right-wing movements. So you see this Adam Waffa movement, which is a, really a national socialist movement that started in the U.S. in 2015. It's not very old. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of ONA ideological influences and ONA members that are associated with some of these groups, Temple of Blood. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the ONA is not very well known. It's not mm-hmm. uh, somebody who are publicly trying to uh, spread their word in over overt ways it's more of like through networks and through people yeah it sounds like they're more of a covert type operation where they're just kind of sneaky and and not really trying to to bring attention to themselves 
Well, I think that the reason the I wrote this book is that it really kind of surfaced within the last five years. There's murders. There was okay. this guy, William Von Nudigem in Toronto, mm-hmm. who stabbed, killed at least one guy in the middle of the night, maybe another. He hasn't even gone to jail yet. There was a guy by the name of Melster who's in the MCC who was contact, contacting people at the ONA to literally set up his army unit to be murdered in Turkey. We got so about, there's we got about a minute before the break, uh, William. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find your books, and then we'll come back and get more into this on the other side of the break. But tell everybody where they can find your book. Yeah, uh, you can find it on Amazon or my website's WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. You can find all my books there if you want to buy signed copies. Excellent. Well, I'm interested in when we get back on the other side, I'm interested in finding out a little bit about the death cult aspect of this for William Ramsey. And uh, we're talking about the global death cult. So Giuseppe Vafangulo, why don't you jump in here with William and let's find out a little bit about this death cult. What is exactly going on with it? And, um, you know, is there rituals? Is there magic uh, associated with this with this death cult? William Ramsey, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Excellent. Well, this is Giuseppe Vafangulo. He's got a show of his own. He's a journalist. Uh, he's a uh, good friend of mine, and he's a great uh, uh, person that we have with us on the show. Uh, he comes on on my nighttime show as well, and he's also got a show here on Revolution Radio on Fridays called The Perfect Triangle, and he also is on another show with uh, Dave Scorpio on Saturday. And uh, he's all around town, so he's a good guy to know. And if you want to uh, join up with him on another time, uh, another show, probably be good if you guys meet. So I wanted to introduce sure, you to. There you go, Giuseppe. Uh, say hello to William Ramsey, and let's get talking about the global death cult, man. William, great to meet you. And uh, I'm uh, perusing your website, and you've done some uh, excellent uh, investigative work. But one question I have, based on the statement you made in the first half hour, is that per your, your, your observations that you don't find that there's anyone involved in this cult at any high levels of government. And I just wonder, are you familiar with uh, Eustace Mullins' book, The Curse of Canaan, that this death cult goes back essentially 6,000 years and the uh, magisterial book by Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, uh, The Synagogue of Satan, that tracks the 6,000 years of this satanic death cult being in power. So I'm a little I'm a little confused why you would make that statement that you cannot find instances of uh, Satanists being in power when they're mostly no, all Satanists. No, no, you're misunderstanding, because I specifically said I don't I know anybody in the ONA. Oh, the oh, angles. oh, okay. Oh, so okay, much, my bad. That's a very important distinction. Oh, okay, So I just don't have bad. evidence of it. So I can't oh. write on something I don't have evidence of. But what I read about in all of the stuff that's in the book, there's a lot of members of the ONA uh, who, and some of who have been arrested, but you can see that ideology is all around the world. It's a recent one and distinctly different from anything that Eustace Mullins wrote about or anything referenced by Christ saying that you were of the synagogue of Satan or anything like that. It's much distinct that this group, does not like anything they would call Nazarene or Magian, which uh-huh. Nazarene would be Christian, or Magian would probably be trans, uh, could be understood as something that's like Judeo-Christian. So this group does not have anything. They're very, I would call them very English-centric or Anglophilic, so they don't even have anything in their literature or rituals or things like that that reference the Kabbalah or anything uh, like that. Okay. 
So that's okay, not my it. bad. I misunderstood. That's I'm glad that to hear that you understand that. And I'm looking at their website. It's the letter O, the number nine, and the letter A dot org. And uh, that's amazing that you've dug into them and found that uh, they're they're pulling in some uh, extremely violent members and doing. Well, would you consider what's going on, especially the gentleman, Gulherm uh, um, William von Newtonjim? who murdered uh, 58-year-old Mohammed Azlim Zafis outside of Mast. Do you consider that a ritual murder or just the act of a lone wolf? Well, it's a, it could be both. I mean, I think that he was a lone wolf, but he definitely, there are videos of him online that you can still see actually on his YouTube channel of him doing an ONA ritual. So you'll see something very distinctly different than a standard satanic ritual. You'll see the ONA uh, logo or icon you'll see the uh, tetra crystal tetrahedron which they believe stores energy and some of the other ona symbolism is there but when he went out i don't really know he hasn't even gone to trial yet because of covid but there was another death a week before of a guy by the name of singh who died by the same manner a uh, stabbing so he may have been engaged in what the ona would describe as a calling or a human sacrifice. So what the ONA views that makes them distinctly different and why I titled my book Global Death Cult is because they distinguish themselves from traditional Satanism by their attitude towards murder. And one of the things that the original writer wrote is, and I quote, if there's one thing which expresses the essence of the Satanic ethos, it is calling. And if there's one way to detect a pseudo-Satanist, it's their attitude towards calling. So... Von Nudigem may have, and I don't know, people haven't questioned him enough as far as I'm concerned, but he may have been acting out the ideology of the ONA when he killed at least one of the guys, but maybe two. And there's actually CCTV video of the murder of him. He literally stalked him and came up behind him and slid his throat. Fascinating. Uh, I don't want to hog this. Uh, Nano Girl, why don't you jump in? We haven't heard from you. Oh, thank you. I have a couple of questions. Uh Okay, one of them is you mentioned they may be infiltrating our military. Yes. And I've been very disturbed at what I'm seeing, right? We have the woke culture. We have some really disturbing, as I am consider, consider the uh, recruiting videos we have right now. I just I don't think it depicts, you know, I was right. My dad was in the military. He was in the oh. Navy. And so I grew up in the military. This is not my father's military. No, even not. close. And uh, the other piece of that, I'm going to throw that question out there as one. And then this other thing is Baphomet. It looks like that's one of the goddesses they pray to. Correct. Yes, that's one. Correct. Okay. That we have seen a tremendous amount. I would say in the last 10 to 15 years on TV. Definitely, probably the last 10 years. I've seen it a lot. It's on. It shows up in all these places that you might not expect, right? And right. Uh, but anyway, let me throw that out to you. So first, let's you know discuss well, I would your say, feelings about the military. I would say the ONA and is trying to infiltrate a lot of stuff, and a lot of the influence is to infiltrate. They would call it, like I said earlier, an insight role. If they are going to. Their, uh, their utopia is a post-apocalyptic nightmare, so they are trying to create that, and I think they're trying to get military training. So there's a lot of aggressive kind of violence associated with their ideology. But I do think that 
a lot of the ideas of white supremacy are hyper politicized. And I don't think that, I mean, I think that word is used in a very cynical fashion. So I do, I don't even think the ONA is purely white supremacist anymore. It can't be. If, if one of its outer heads is half Asian, half Latino, uh, I don't know if they're as, as, as rigid about their initial kind of ethnic, um, ethnic superiority kind of outlook. But I do, I do think that, I mean, the country has some of the worst ideas and most toxic ideas ever, really from the left. And uh, I think the woke ideology is really not something that uh, the ONA would really even care about, but uh, at least from their writings. But yeah, so I, I think that they're really trying, I think that really are much more satanic ideology that comes, I mean, and they're still influenced by racist ideas. So their ideas, I mean, they rever, revere the birth of Hitler. They, they count time from the birth of Hitler in 1889. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see them as as really. Yeah, I mean, I, I like you have Merrick Garland come out and talk about this ideology. It sounds a lot like me, actually, which is kind of strange. But uh, he was talking about transnational racial groups. And this is actually kind of one of those. Um, OK, so just to clarify for me. So it sounds like they would not get behind the woke ideology. No. They would be the they would be the people on the other side. So the other thing I'm seeing is. I think that uh, this is just my perspective that I see our leadership in DC fanning the flames of hate, right? Oh. They're, they're, they're absolutely bringing all this, you know, all the racist and, and, you know, white supremacy and white privilege and all that, that junk. So they, they actually, the left right now is actually not against the principle of racism. They do not like other people's racism. They want their own. That's really the primary. Gist That's exactly that. right. Right. Well so, well would stated. this would this group get on the other side of that? In other words, well, I mean, you're asking that, questions. I'm not an insider. I'm just a journalist, gotcha. okay. investigative journalist. Yeah. I don't know what they would do. There could okay. be, like I said earlier, when I was talking to Jimmy, there could be members of this group in Antifa. There could be members in BLM. I don't know. Some of those BLM people are into the occult. They're into, uh, you know, African voodoo or whatever. I forgot the gotcha. name of it, but one of them definitely was. So I don't know. I don't know the totality there could be some of these people who are in there you know by name i wouldn't know i honestly wouldn't know they would never it would never be divulged so um to say i mean you have to kind of read through their stuff to see what they think they believe in sinister tribes they believe that they're above the law they believe in culling they believe in, in gaining information and i think they believe in their own kind of political ethos really they would try, try to create their own kind of uh political group if they could if they could infiltrate the republicans or the democrats it probably wouldn't matter to them at all so, and i think you see that actually in some of these if you read my book you'll see that some of these members are are clearly occultists before they join these right-wing groups are you familiar with a group called secular humanists yeah i'm familiar with the ideology yeah. Or the ideas. I, I'm 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 fine. And when I'm listening to you guys, I'm I'm, I'm finding this uh, feeling in my gut that there's some parallel between secular humanism and this group. Have you found any contacts to this to, to this uh, effect? I mean, I have not. Either ideology, they actually have kind of a spiritual ideology. They have this 
you know, it's a satanic ethos, and uh, they believe that they're trying to bring out the era of the dark gods. They're trying to presence the dark gods. So well, let me ask. Um, you, let me ask you this: I don't now. see that as anything really in a in a kind of pure materialist, non-spiritual worldview, like a secular humanist or something who, who disavows a another world, a spiritual world. Well, it's 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 more than that, and it's it's a one it's, you know humanist is one thing, okay? That's one thing. A secular humanist is something completely and utterly different, and it is one of the most, uh, you know, evil organizations there possibly is on the face of the earth. They happen to be mem- a lot of those people, you know, potentially have membership in other groups as as a lot of these uh, people do. Um, I'm specifically curious. Now you said there was they were worshiping 300 gods. Is that what you said? No, 21. 21. Okay, so what are the top five of these gods that they worship? Well, I wouldn't even I wouldn't know the actual um, which gods they're literally doing it, but you can see these same na- same names that pop up. There's mm-hmm. Azan, a Jin. Mm-hmm. So these gods have like. A, you know their own character, so they would have Naos as Adazoth and mm. these things, and they would pray to them and try to press Noctilius, who's like a mm-hmm. like that's a theme within that group. Is Noctulian is this kind of bat that flies at night, mm-hmm. so they kind of uh, try to so they inhabit that kind of sensibility, so kind they, of like you would say, like a god of Saturn has these characteristics. So their dark gods have characteristics or that they try to. Um, presence in their own personality. So the rituals, is, there isn't a main deity that is above on this this idea. So what this is is they they will utilize whatever entity they need to utilize with the characteristics that uh, they may display as their magic. In other words, they will call on this particular right. deity when they want to do this. Now you say that you say that they that they're into the calling. They're into calling. And that's what separates them from Satanists. That's what they say that separates that separates them from the Church of Satan or the Temple of Set or Crowleyism. So this guy who started it was, he kind of went through the whole Crowley system. He was part of a Crowley group. Uh-huh. So I think he learned that and then stepped beyond that in his ideology. Well, I got a problem with it because, you know, Satanists uh, don't have a right or wrong. So there is no right or wrong. It's If you do it, it's right. And so they wouldn't have a problem with calling, I don't, I don't think, specifically. But I guess maybe they do. I don't know. But um, here's, well, I would say that they, there's, there's, I think an important part of my book is Chapter Three, the Satanic Letters of Stephen Brown, uh-huh. where they talk about, and he's communicating with, um, he's communicating with Michael Aquino, okay, and sending letters. And Michael Aquino is taking his don't, time. Don't say his to name again. Communicate with Maya. Don't say it again. Talking about their own satanic ideology and the differentiation between them both so don't i say, think that's an important thing for Reed because you can see what these guys are actually thinking you said his name twice don't say it again or he'll visit us and i know oh, it to be true well, he's dead. okay so this no yeah that's what they say anyhow um uh that's another show for another time but um anyway yeah so well that's interesting that he was in command or in control with micah or in contact with my contact right so it's called the satanic letters of stephen brown so they're definitely communicating and they're kind of the people they said that 
this person who had a variety of different pseudonyms is all the same person David Can Wyatt. can you bullet point some of the some of the ideology in those letters uh, just off the top of your head right now Absolutely I mean you it's interesting because they're setting things in the letterhead from the Temple of Set you can see the pentagram and everything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you can see that they're communicating and really Myatt is saying you guys are kind of posers and we our group is really the real thing and we have a very small crew of people that are must much more dedicated to the ideology than you are. Mm -hmm. So um, he calls it like, uh, you know, he, he's saying that his group is different. Like you could say, here here's one thing that Myatt says about the Church of Satan and the Temple of Seti. He writes, all the members of the TOS and the COS I've met over the years were full of satanic theory, but very had very little experience of going to and beyond their own limits. Basically, they played at Satanism, the occasional boring ritual, the odd working with magical intent. But nowhere was there a proud, defined exaltation in living. Nowhere was there real satanic character born from character-building experiences. So that's another thing. He's differentiating his view from them as they're just kind of doing ritual stuff. And ONA is out there taking chances and, and engage in risky behavior. Interesting. So now, are you familiar with Nicholas Shrek? Yes, very much. Okay. So. Now, uh, what about Anton LaVey's daughter? Are you familiar with her? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so he had, those two were together, right? Right. Was it Radio Werewolf or whatever? Well, they were working together. I don't know if they still are. But, um, and so, so Shrek was the one that took over for, uh, didn't he know? What, didn't he take over the church? I don't of know Satan? what happened with Aquino. I don't know who uh, took over the Temple of Set or Church of Satan after LeVay died. Mm -hmm. well, but I think there was a different head of the. There's definitely a different head, head of the Temple of Satan, uh, Church of Satan, right now. Well, what I'm but gonna... that book, by the way, the Satanic Bible, is still the number one selling book on on the occult on Amazon right now to this day. Yeah, and no, and, and it's no surprise when you have 20 years of Harry Potter style. Um, you know, initiation going on for the children, uh, written by some lady saying she wrote the book when it was clearly written by lettered agencies and using it to uh, discredit and to make available to people the choice between magic and worshiping Jesus or worshiping well, Buddha or worshiping. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because in the ONA outlook, it's very similar to Harry Potter. Where in Harry Potter you have the magi magical people and the and the Muggles, mm -hmm. and in in ONA you have the ONA and mundanes. So it's almost the same dichotomy. It's the same oppositional adversary. Like we're on the inside, they're dumb and boring, and on the outside, and we can. And that satanic idea is that if they're mundanes, you can just cull them. You can use them as cattle. It's kind of like the Goy view. They're Goy to be. Mm -hmm. You know, fed and Crowley even said that, you know, give these people the quiet wisdom of the cattle. We will milk them at our will, kill them at our will. <laughs> so you kind of see that. It's actually there's some, some parts of Judaism which really, I mean, they're not even Just variants so, of Satanism. It's the exact same outlook of other people. So are these the, are that's these, a whole different story. Are these the, these Babylonian black magicians? Uh, well, it's interesting because that's really where they trace. I think that this group. Like you could actually say that the t the church the ONA was created by a lettered society. Like it's very strange where it just pops out of nowhere. There's high intelligence behind it. There's tons of writing. People are spending time writing with it. Mm -hmm. But they tried to le legitimize themselves, in my opinion, by supposedly having as their kind of creation mythos 
this document from Sumeria that has these 21 gods that nobody's ever seen this document, mm -hmm. but that just suddenly materialized. And then there was supposedly a connection with an old witch and a group of witches that had passed down, passed down through time immemorial that suddenly gave their inf information to ONA. But nobody knows those people. They're just a myth, right? I mean, it, I could tell you that, uh, you know, I'm friends with uh, a troll underneath a bridge and he's giving me information. Mm -hmm. But if nobody sees that, I don't know. So the ONA has a kind of mysterious beginnings or mythological beginnings. But, uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, so you're saying like it's Babylonian. I think they would say it's pre-Babylonian Sumerian. Mm -hmm. Well, everything, all lines seem to go back to Samaria. Uh, here's something I want to play for you guys. Uh, everybody, if you're on the call, stand down because we're going to come to the top of the hour and there's going to be a break. I'm going to play a, I'm gonna play a clip until the break. My name's Jimmy. It's in the microcosm. I'm here with uh, author of the Global Death Cult, William Ramsey. We're talking about the uh, order of the nine angles. And, uh, you know, I still, I still have a distinct feeling that there's a lot to do with sacred geometry and the building of a prison, an energetic prison invisible to the naked eye that may just go right back to Saturn and the hexagon on Saturn. So I find it interesting that you think that they said that the uh, tetrahedron is the receptacle of the soul, and I think that's exactly what Manly P. Hall said it was. And uh, so I think it's an interesting uh, discussion, and you guys, uh, thank you so much for being here. Nano Girl, Brandy Lou, Giuseppe Vafangulo, and now here comes Nicholas Shrek and Anton LaVey's daughter, and they're having a discussion with a Christian by the name of Bob Larson, and he wants to know all about Satanism. So let's take a listen to this uh, piece here, if I can get it, maybe. Looks like it's muted out. They might have taken some of this out of here. Hold on a second. Yeah, here we go. Okay. I, I'm just trying to get right. the story straight here. Hold on a second. To entertain people. <laughs> Hang on a second. Views oh, and doctrines are Open. available. Hang on. Here we go. For Satanism to be a recognized and above-board religion as it had never been before. So there had to be public attention. You don't, you don't have a movement without moving. And so the archetype of the devil has always been as a showman. And he all always musicians, admitted that. All artists, anyone who has a creative way of attracting attention has always been accused of having diabolical powers. Now, but what I find interesting is, although many people like yourself might think that he was only doing it as for, for gimmick's sake and because he was a, a good showman, you also complain that he won't come and be on your show. Yeah. So now, which is it? Would you rather have him be a good showman and come on your show? Well, why doesn't he come out of the closet? He's not in a closet. He's well, living his life he, happily. He, but he is not, I mean, he is fronting he, an organization. Listen, he that, came out of the closet in 1966 so that Anton everybody LaVey else could come out but, of the but, closet. Excuse me, but he is not... <laughs> Did I hear somebody saying something? <laughs> Did somebody say something? Because I... Listen, I mean, I, this is interesting to me because, um, you know, when they're talking about Anton LaVey and the fact that he was a showman before he became the, you know, purveyor of the Church of Satan. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about this particular subject in general. But what I find really interesting to me is that a, a lot of what's put forward uh, as Satanism is postmodernist deconstructionism. <laughs> Go look it up. Everything that they said they were going to do. We'll be right back. You ready to shout at the devil, Brandy? 
I think I better shout at something. I know. Well, I know that you're, um, you know, you're a Christian lady, and uh, and I'm wondering if you know what you're hearing about today is. I mean, how does it make you feel as far as, um, you know, I mean, this the per, you know, the the permeation of this um, Harry Potter mentality where more people believe in UFOs than they do believe in Jesus anymore. So, I mean, this is a painful uh, discussion for a lot of people to find out that this kind of stuff goes on, is it not? Well, to me, it's another layer. I was aware of this kind of thing going on, but unaware of this particular group. And I'm also, because I have researched these things, I have heard that the Internet is actually a way that some of these spells and these prayers that they send up is you, they utilize the, the actual uh, internet, like through the web. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about bringing out the 5G and how it's just even tying things together more, if someone thinks about it, that can be quite an invasion. So we're just kind of, it, it goes more into the, well, the psyops of the mind control and everything that, that we've been talking about. That's true. And uh, Nano Girl, did you want to jump in? Because I know you had some questions. And Giuseppe, uh, after she's done, why don't you jump in too? Um, yes. Uh, I have to say, uh, I'm sorry. There's just so much stuff going through my head. Uh, real quickly, but um, it it looks like this moment in time for those of us on planet Earth, so many of these things are popping up, or it would seem. They've actually been around for a while, based on what I saw of your book. And so, but what what's happening is here's like Brandy said, there's another layer. And so, William, I was just wondering if you could pick the top one or two things that you would want the listeners to know about this group, because you've done this research and it sounds like you're the super well informed on this. I would say the first one is their attitude towards calling. So they believe that human beings should be called and they have, they're the ones who are going to be the evolutionary deciders on who should be called. And that this group moves at night. All their stuff is at night. They have stories in my books about being at bars, of stalking people at bars of water, water symbolism. So that would be my, uh, you know, that would be the, my, my two things uh, that I answer you with is, calling and nighttime criminality and can i throw one thing out there in response to what william just said i find it really interesting and one of the reasons i can't watch netflix is everything is done dark like shows every it just seems like no matter how they film anything it's always filmed it's at night or even if it's daylight it's dark everything is filmed dark so it seems much more sinister. So, I mean, I could even see, uh, based on what you said, William, that maybe they have their their hands and, and have infiltrated even something like Netflix. Well, I wouldn't know. I, I don't think their yeah, infiltration yeah. really is, uh, I think or it's maybe mainly in, politically maybe, oriented. So maybe I wouldn't influence say, it. I wouldn't say that, Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's important to read my book and get the gist and, and not extrapolate stuff that's not in my book because that is definitely there's nothing in there like we got to go get in the media and we got to get into filmmaking yeah so they're really much more uh 
had to, I think, a military thing, and also just kind of increasing their influence. Like they had, they said they have a 300-year plan. So I think that for them, it's you know they're just going to do a slow infiltration and try to find new members and grow. So if they have a 300-year plan, and other organizations have their plans that are even longer than that, certainly there must be some collaboration. But amongst well, I mean, them. a lot of these are cool groups. You'd be surprised. A lot of these guys are members of a variety of different groups. Crowley himself mm -hmm. said you should join every occult group you can. And if you look at the ONA, they have the one of the outer heads, a guy by the name of Ford, kind of it lives in Texas, had his own kind of occult writings and things like that and somehow became uh, a prominent member of this group. So you can kind of see that cross-fertilization. And definitely these people are in contact with each other internationally. They're definitely... Either you, uh, I mean, there's PGP keys on some of their literature, so they're communicating using cryptography. How how might we know if we are somehow getting involved with someone like that? I mean, I know you talked a little bit Great about. I mean, I would think for. you'd have to see the symbolism. You'd have to see their language, their ideology, what they're doing. Are they an occultist? You know, and then you kind of got to parse through. So. I think you got to be careful because I think in my book, I think I show the slaughter of the innocents part of the book is that people who have this ideology have contempt for human life. And a lot of innocent people got shot. There was a parent who uh, tried to stop this Adam Waffen kid, Giampa. They got killed. There was a young Jewish kid in Orange County. He got stabbed 20 times by uh, somebody who's an Adam Waffen member. And you don't really know how many other crimes these, this group has committed. If they're secretly committing crimes, what have they been doing for the last 20, 25 years? Well, and I'm sure that they have some protection set up within their system, too, to so that they're not revealed. You know, I'm wondering, with you doing all this research and sharing this information that's so obviously new to even those of us who are pretty pretty aware of what's going on, uh, and it was new to so many of us. Have you had any trouble as far as being stalked or anybody tried to come no. after you? That's well, you can tell. I mean, I think that uh, it's a dangerous environment. I mean, I don't know if the I don't know if the government, you know, can really protect people from things like this. To be honest mm -hmm. with you, so mm -hmm. uh, I take my precautions. I don't. Well, you don't see me at book signings and things like that. So I, I'm not naive about it mm -hmm. so you probably wouldn't want to do like a lot of public speaking either <laughs> have you seen me in public speaking have not <laughs> no, no. i mean the other thing is like i mean you can get it into a deeper conversation but people will set you up there's all kinds of things that go on i mean mm -hmm. I've, I've watched the bodies pile up i've watched people do stupid stuff and get killed so i don't do yeah. stupid stuff and get killed that's good that's good. Well, certainly appreciate the value of what you've brought to us so that we can all be, you know, even more aware. I mean, there is so much to look out for these days and to be well, aware of it. What's really definitely... scary about this ideology is that they don't, There's it's public. So somebody doesn't even need to be an ONA member. They don't, they can just read this and go, hey, this is for me, you know, and so there may not be that many people, but if it's one in 10,000, it goes, hey, this is how I want to shape my character and live my life. I mean, that's very dangerous if you have somebody walking around thinking that other human beings should be cold based upon what the, their their own choices. You know, they go through this thing. Oh, this person should be taken out for evolutionary purposes. 
So they're really the engines of evolution, much like the Nazis. So they had plans to kill tons. It wasn't just the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Kill Poles. There was an annihilation order by Hitler that nobody really talks about about killing Russians. There's all kinds. Of, actually, Hitler made multiple annihilation orders to his troops. He did. Yes. So, um, I mean, these are very dangerous ideas, and people need to be aware of them. I mean, you don't know. You get some young kid on the internet. I mean, another story about this whole book, my whole book, is like the danger of mixing a naive kid on the spectrum and these ideas, and you got tons of trouble. Because right. there's a real line of like Asperger's on this book and people who are they fall for these or tempted by these ideologies and uh, can do a lot of damage. And really they're just being used if you think oh, about no it. Doubt. Because I don't have any doubt. They're yeah, seen as foot oh. soldiers by people far higher up mm-hmm. and uh, deeper into this and I think that uh, they're just seen as disp- disposable. You know? So mm-hmm. um, and the racism is there if you see it even in the American Nazi movement and stuff like that. It's like there's no God, it's nihilism, there's no morality associated with Christianity in their worldview. It's all about race, and, uh, you know, it's uh, pretty ugly. That is ugly. And, they, you know, they have, they're all worried about, like, oh, we're going to be replaced, or demographics, and I'm like, why don't you just go out and have ten kids, if you're all worried about that, you know? Yeah, and that's not always easy to do these days either because oh, that's of not, not, what's not going parents. on with the uh, yeah the birth rate and and everything. Hey, having a kid these days is far riskier than it ever was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's William. Definitely... How did you come across the uh, Order of the Nine Angles and just describe to us a little bit about how you started to peel away the layers of this onion? So I had heard of Myatt just doing research. I was aware of him and the insight rules, but really it was in August of 2020 when somebody reached out to me and somebody had kind of sent me something on one of my YouTube pages like, hey, have you heard of this group? I didn't really know about it, but this guy, Igor Sarsky, which I include in the book, it's in the appendices, uh, both of our interviews, which we've done three now, but that was really in August. And the reason why he reached out to me is I had done years of research into the smiley face killers. So the smiley face killers is this phenomenon of young men who are out at night and have been disappeared. And there's hundreds of them. And I've done two documentaries, one of which you can see on Amazon. The title of the first one is the smiley face killers who is abducting, torturing and murdering college age men in the U.S. and the U.K. The second one is smiley face killers, global slaughter continues the globe. So I just cover these cases and I've watched these cases. I really got, st- I thought it was a really a myth, an urban myth when it first came to my attention, but I actually watched a case of a kid, a young gay, gay guy in Columbus, Ohio. His name was Joey Labute and he disappeared and somebody said, Hey, this guy disappeared. And I was kind of following stuff. And I said, if this guy ends up in water, I'm going to freak out. And about 19 days later, he ended up in the Seattle river. Um, and so I watched the whole arc of him being disappeared out of a bar and then being found in water. And then that really, you know, sent shivers up my spine. So then I started following the cases. I re-linked up, kind of synced up with Jim Smith of Global, uh, what was his, his, his smiley face cult, I think on Twitter. So he's still kind of researching that. And then I've watched other people do the same. Another with Joey Labute. 
No, Joey Labue was the other one. The other one was Dakota James in Pittsburgh. Then I researched all the cases. And there's clearly a, a, a phenomenon of young men being out, disappearing, getting separated, or either drugged mm-hmm. from their friends and ending up in water. So the ideas of this group, I'm not saying Yone is doing any of that. I don't have any evidence of that. But the ideas, the ideology of this group, maybe there's another group that's out there that I don't even know, but it, it overlaps with this whole phenomenon of this five-piece killer. Well, you know, as a follow-up, the um, I'm born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I lived there again from 2005 to 14. And during that time, there was a series uh, in college towns along the many rivers in Wisconsin of these uh, boys supposedly, you know, getting drunk and and being found in water. I mean, the parents all thought there was something more going on. The and we're talking about dozens. Yeah, the parents are right. It's La yeah, Crosse, Wisconsin and, was a big epicenter, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you know about that? Okay, I was going to oh, ask. All that stuff. Yeah, of oh, course. Okay. I mean, I wrote, I made a three and a half hour documentary about all those cases. Yeah, I mean, so I'm what's, familiar with the guys who coined the term. Their names are Gannon and Gilbertson. They wrote a book called Case Studies in Forensic Drowning. And I researched all those cases and verified a lot of that stuff. But I also kind of I, went into the smiley face usage and culture and a little kind of broadened my own research into that. But yeah, there's definitely a phenomenon of these. These are not. Yeah, I can tell drowning. you what I the think. The thing is they're being called drowning victims, but there's no evidence of them drowning. There's no evidence of. So I saw Joe. He was flapping his. He said he was going to go for a swim. He was flapping his hands in water. And then he just went under. We never saw him again. Mm-hmm. That's not what's happening. What's happening is, is they're last seen rounding a corner at a bar, and then three days later, ten days later, they're found in a body water, sometimes upstream, sometimes down. So it doesn't comport with drowning. Typically a drowning victim floats to the surface, is easily found. So where are those bodies at? I've covered so many cases where these guys are missing for two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, well. I can tell you what I mean. I, you know, I'm I, I I didn't know that you were the guy that did the smiley face stuff, because I'm pretty sure you're the only one that's ever really done anything on. Have you been on Clyde Lewis uh, before talking about the smiley face Girl, killers? I talked to his producer. I forgot what his producer's Ron, name was, but I was Ron. Yeah. Well, listen. Ron, yeah. Ron. Yeah. So listen, and here's what I think about the smiley face killings. I'll throw my piece in. And now I haven't seen your documentaries, and I haven't seen your movies, and I haven't. I don't know what you think. I'm just going to tell you what I think. What I think is is that the smiley face killings is what happens when uh, gay people, gay prostitutes, maybe uh, people are getting involved in auto asphyxiation sex, and one of the people dies, and the other guy throws the other guy in the river under the smiley face thing because that's a a, a way to get rid of these bodies uh, because it's happening all the time. I mean, this is a big thing. I mean, they would say that. You know some of the some of the major celebrities that have died recently uh, were involved in that, and that's how they died. So they're so they're um, masturbating or having sex while they're choking each other. Well, that's an interesting thing because I've done a story. I did actually just last week. I interviewed a guy out of the UK. There was a famous celebrity by the name of Barrymore, and he was having a party, and he was a homosexual, and somebody died on at his house and he had massive injuries to his anus and they, they the story they had was that he drowned in the in the pool but there was no evidence of drowning just everybody had that story so mm-hmm. um to me it looked like a cover-up the father thinks it's a cover-up mm-hmm. 
but it fits into the kind of SFK phenomenon. And in my, my research, there was a strong predominance of, of homosexual, but it did homosexuality, but it didn't cross over to everyone. Because some of the guys who died are not homosexual. Yeah, but the thing clearly is, clearly heterosexual. What so I, then, what I noticed about you have to extrapolate it as a uh, water deaths are a body dumping mechanism. They are to confuse police and even get if rid the of guys weren't homosexual. homosexual, you don't have to be a homosexual to get off on auto asphyxiation. Well, this is true. So this is true. Thing, but one but, of the things that would tell me that that wouldn't apply to all of the cases is that. These guys are out in public. They're not at home, and they're not they're they're not with other people. They're they're by themselves when they're last seen. So, doesn't quite. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if you're, you're by your, yeah, it if, doesn't really. I don't think that that. that I don't know. View, Who knows? I would say that it would. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens with a lot of them, <laughs> but I don't think it would be across. The well, line. look, if you were somebody who's into that and you're hiring gay prostitutes, okay. And you keep choking them out and killing them. You just toss them in a the river. Goodbye at the end. Uh, there's a later. ton of guys. There's a ton of stuff. I remember one was Boy Joy or George. There was like some gay party and a dude got carted out dead. <laughs> there's all kinds of stories of dudes dying in gay situations. Yeah. Know, I mean, you know, stuff gets, you know, at some point for people, um, you know, if they're into different kind of, uh, you know, they have different kind of appetites, you know, at some point, you know, the meal starts to get boring, you know, you have to put some spicy mustard on it, you know, you're gonna have to throw a little bit of cheese, you know, make a new sandwich. And, uh, you know, a lot of times these things are dangerous, you know, I mean, just think about this, uh, think of amyl nitrate, you know, and think about, and sniff, you know, sniffing locker room or amyl nitrate in your nose right when you're about to have an orgasm. I mean, that's a big, that was a big bathhouse thing up in San Francisco back in the 70s or whatever, amyl nitrate. People died all over the place. I think it's still dead. around. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> it still does the same thing it always did, you know. But there's another. There's another thing. Was there ever any uh, testing done on these boys to find out if there was any amyl nitrate in their system? Not to my knowledge, but GHB was was actually common in the early kind of research. Gilbert and Gannon they found GHB in some of the stuff. So that's kind of also a gay drug. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, um, we sort of ventured off the path a little bit, but I don't think really that far because what we're talking about is uh, alternative lifestyles. And there seems to be one that's sort of, you know, starting to take a little prominence uh, here in America and across the world and around the world. I mean, we saw the gates of Hades making a tour around the world like it was a three-wing uh, Barnum and Barely circus who's showing up at every major city in the world. Hey, come on down. It's the gate of Hades. Come on down. You know, it's like, uh, what's going on with this? You know, I mean, everything seems to be um, 180 degrees out of the way it used to be. And it's all, it's all because of these micro groups who infiltrate and cause problems. So the thing is, it used to be what the majority thought was the way things were. But now it's the combining of, of all these micro groups together to form a majority that overwhelmingly can decide over the other rest of the people who all think the same. So, right, but if but you have, if you control, happens. if you control the, uh, if you control the voting machines, you can have a minority and run run the country forever for decades. Mm-hmm. And when you say minority, you don't mean of color. You just mean, of course not. You just, just mean whatever. Yeah, a, like the Satanist or or the. Um, Temple of Sadists or the uh, or the, the left crowders. in general. I think that the support of the left in this country is probably only 30, 35 percent. 
but they've just fixed the voting machines for decades, so they make people think that it's a 50-50 split. It's a big Wizard of Oz mind rape. Yeah, well, it's, you know, the, thing, the reason is is because there's only one bird. There's just two wings, and it doesn't matter who gets in. The only problem is is that most of the uh, opponents, when they, when they lose 48 to 52, they don't put up a fight. They just lay down, and that's because they're part of the system. So what you saw recently was you saw somebody who didn't, wasn't willing to necessarily lay down. And right. so when he started making problems, all of a sudden, he got quiet, didn't he? He all of a sudden got quiet, went away, and never said another thing about it. So you better believe that that boy got a phone call and said, you know what, man? This voting system is putting all of our people in across the world. Do you think we're going to let you destroy it? No. Right. No way, buddy. Ain't ever Okay, man, go look at Canada for uh, Trudeau has no political experience. He has zero political experience. Somebody told me that the other day, Paul Gosselin, mm -hmm. and somehow became the prime minister there. So how did that happen? So And they used Dominion all in Canada, too. Mm -hmm. So they're selected now, and so much for the uh, will of the people. And, so, and uh, Biden's a perfect example. I mean, come on. So now, are, so all your everything that they could, every, everything that you've done, they can find on your website. So they can look for the smiley face killer stuff. Is that there, too? Yeah, so I had five documentaries on Vimeo. I got to put them back up, but yeah, they can find that. They can find the first version of my F SFK documentary is on Amazon, and uh, I've done tons of interviews and stuff like that on mm -hmm. Smiley Face Killers. Excellent. Well, listen, um, we're coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll come on bottom of the hour break, and uh, I'm gonna go out with some JJ Kale. We'll be back in about five minutes. Later. You know, you're just sort of, uh, you know, people who haven't gotten into it like you have are barely even understanding that it even exists. But, I mean, you've connected all the dots. You've made these connections. And you feel like you're, um, you know, you're onto something. And I think you're onto something, too. Now, as far as the um, the sacred geometry and the Saturnalian Brotherhood, does, that, does any of that affect or come into play as far as this group is concerned? Not to my knowledge. I didn't really see a lot of uh, Saturn-type stuff and i didn't really see a lot of calculations like cruelly or some of these other magicians do where mm -hmm. they break down words into their corresponding numbers and correspondences mm -hmm. i didn't really see a lot of that so i would say that the this group kind of uh didn't didn't really emphasize that stuff yeah i mean the occultic uh the cryptic thing about this group is is that number one that they're that they're only specifically interested in infiltrating one sort of political viewpoint. The name of the group is the Nine Angles, but it has absolutely nothing to do with geometry. Um, you Not know, so much, yeah. So to me, I mean, that I, you know, I'm seeing some things here that are starting to, you know, not make sense. So what I'm wondering is anything uh, have come across your path as far as these things just being put out there as a, you know, like a Easter egg for some people to find. And uh, maybe the real stuff that's going on, you know, extends beyond just the foot traffic of the, of the, you know, minor white supremacists that might be out there. But maybe it, maybe it goes a little, little higher and a little uh, deeper and further than what we're talking about. Sure, good. I don't have any, I just don't have any evidence of that, you know. So I, I only could include the evidence in their writing. I don't know any members of the ONA, but, uh, you know, they say that they have means where they talk to each other orally, so they don't even write things down. And they clearly have writings that aren't public. So 
I can't say that I have a, you know, a, I'm not as an insider's view. I don't have an insider's view. I can tell what they write about. They're very anti-Christian. Uh-huh. They talk about calling. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they say they're really at war with, uh, you know, with what they would call the Magian state. So they're, mm-hmm. you know, here's a quote. These represent a new type of tyranny, a new enslavement of our species. Thus has the ONA made the disruption and replacement of the current order, the current aeon, represented by the tyranny of the Magian state and the Magian ethos, its most fundamental practical priority. Thus is our dark sorcery, exoteric and esoteric, directed at everything Magian and everything and everyone, imbued with and supported, uh, supportive of the Magian ethos. What's the Magian so, ethos? So there, I think the translation of Magian is like the Judeo-Christian order. Does it have anything to do with the Merovingians? No. No, there's nothing in there. Nothing in there about this. I would say they're almost kind of like a historic. Uh, they don't talk about history that much. They talk about the future history, the Galactic Imperium, but they don't talk about kind of the past as much. They're trying to create a new future. And I think they're well, they're well on their way. And I, you know, but but something there's something about this that's bothering me, and I, don't, I can't really quite put my finger on it. But there's something about this. And now, now, as far as Hitler was concerned, there was black magic going on within the Nazi, uh, you know, yes. permaculture, uh, yes. big time occult magic going on. Um, lots of uh, re, you know, referencing back to Blavatsky's and all these other. Um, ideologies, black magic was being done. It was the black sun, um, right. right? So, so the thing is, but was the Nazism a byproduct of the black magic, or was the ideology put forward because that ideology, in support of its fascist-like behavior, where you could boot stomp somebody to death and throw them in a camp and starve them to death and let them die there like, uh, you know, skeletons. And uh, you could get all the louche or energy from all this stuff that was going on. Now, is this the same group, okay, that, you know, is talked about? And, I'm, you know, I want to bring them up again as a tribe of Dan. And I just want to say... <laughs> You know, they seem to go. They seem to come out of, uh, you know, Samaria, Babylonia, Egypt. They end up in Jew, uh, in Judaism, and uh, they end up all of a sudden they are the Jews who are not Jews, and they moved over into Europe and became Druids, and then they became Templars, and then they became Masons, and then they became the Queen of England. The Frankists, right? Yes. <laughs> You know, so the thing is, is, um, we're, you know, this culture of black magic and occult dealings is everywhere. Yes. It's permeating our culture now and it's, and it's overwhelming. And, it, you know, people got pissed off when John Lennon said we're more popular than Jesus Christ. Right. But I think he was on to something there because the pop culture ideology and icons that are out there are more believable to the young people today than Jesus Christ is himself. Well, more willing but to believe. Beatles, we can get into the occultism of the Beatles. I cover them. In my Go ahead. Let's get into it. We got 15 minutes I mean, left. I mean, they're making all kinds of Crowley hand signs, all kinds of secret stuff. But uh, I would say the ONA would look at all of those things as part of the sinister tradition. So they see themselves as part of all of that sinister tradition of the past. But I think the occultism of the Nazis is very similar to the esoteric Nazism of the ONA. So this guy who started the ONA knew Otto Reamer. Who was Otto Reamer? 
Otto Reimer is the essential Nazi who helps put down Operation Valkyrie against Hitler in 1944 and continued the war for another year. So this guy gets done saving Hitler and then goes around and becomes a right-wing fascist and meets up with Mayan. Mm-hmm. And so he's actually in my book. So you can see this kind of uh, legacy of these Nazis to the present. And I think that this group is almost like the creation of a group who didn't have public support like the Nazis had public support at one time. I don't know, I think, how much of the population of Germany, 30% or something like that. But I think that this group is kind of like the growth of the same ideologies through different names into the ONA is really kind of a national socialist ideology. Giuseppe Bafangulo, come on in here now. This this is interesting, too, because it goes back to World War II, comes back into black magic, comes back into Nazism, and this is like a splinter group of, a, of under a million splinter groups that you know exist out there whether you know about them or not you hear about you hear about secret societies but you hear about these ones that you say they the masons or whatever i mean i know names of secret societies that i wouldn't say on the air because if i did i would get a, a something would come my way just by simply saying the name of it so secret societies exist ladies and gentlemen the information is passed from lip to ear there is no documentation. And in order for you to get in a position to have your ear open to a man who's got the wisdom and the path to tell you how to get to where you need to be, you got to make it to that door and you got to knock on it and you got to have what it takes to open that door. And a lot of people don't get there, Giuseppe Bafangulo. It's a, it's, a yeah. it's a hard road. It is a hard road. And I'm curious, uh, William, in your uh, amazing uh truly courageous path to dig into this uh this uh occult malignancy that you've explored so thoroughly i'm looking forward to ordering some of your books now that i've I've seen your website what was the most stunning or startling revelation you came across in what the ona book or just all my books well let's start with the ona book and then if you have something that was even more shocking in all your books. I would say the global na- nature of this group where they're using communications to talk to each other across oceans and through these different nations. I think that that's it. And also probably an adjunct to that is that this group has little subgroups. They call them Nexians. And those subgroups have their own documentation. So you can think of like, oh, one group has this one set of documents, but these other subgroups in... Australia or the U.S. are also writing, you know, uh, they're writing tomes, they're writing these kind of witchcraft books of their own writing, of their own experiences and things like that. Some of them, much of them based upon the original LNA literature, but still that there's that much interest and people are spending that much time and energy to, you know, forward that ideology. But I think of all my books, I think probably just goes back to my original book that I published in 2010, Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and New World Order, where, you know, I just, the whole 9-11 event was a ritual event, and they included all of the numerology of Aleister Crowley there. You want to talk about Gematria? I mean, it's written in, it's in the backdrop of the 9-11 events. 1177, 93, 175 are all Crowley's, if you put them all together, really all Crowley's kind of fingerprints. And his ideology, and if you see what happened after 9-11, if you can see past all the mind control, and uh, that you can see that the political 
Crowley is right there in place. The slave shall serve global slave state. You know, it's, it's all there. It's all real loud. It's all real large. Yeah, that's stunning. I, I have personally believed since very early on that that was a ritual sacrifice, 9-11. And when you look into a lot of these other major events, you can start to see they're all ritual sacrifices. So it's, uh, there's, there, there is like, uh, there was, uh, a movie decades ago that uh, by uh, David Lynch called Blue Velvet, right. where uh, the main character is living this idyllic suburban life, and then he's he he becomes uh, infatuated with a woman who's in the underbelly uh, of the darkness, and he he takes the journey there, and then at the end he comes out and he's back in the suburban life, and and to me it appears as though the great vast majority of citizens of this planet have no idea how dark, how vile, how occult the they they uh, are being involved with and, and and used and and is that do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I don't think they're not supposed to find out. So, I think it's kind of like a wizard of oz kind of uh, situation. I think it's I think it's actually kind of a handbook of humanity. <laughs> you see people no brain, no heart, no mind. Or whatever it is, and then uh, you have the Wizard of Oz pulling the strings. Yeah, the Emerald City. So I don't, I don't think it's that much different today. And uh, you can go through, and I, I did a video, uh, my documentary, Occult Hollywood, <clears throat> shows a lot of that kind of secrecy and how much of Hollywood really is a uh, occulted information for both the initiated and uninitiated. And you can probably see and perceive Blue Velvet as an initiatory path between mm-hmm. that kid from the suburbs being initiated into all that stuff and then he's mm-hmm. done up the other side yeah that's an intense uh an intense representation of some of the stuff that goes on down there for sure and you know the thing it, is is like a lot of people don't even realize i mean you know you go down there and you see that there's a warner brothers and then you go in there and you see that mayberry rfd didn't really exist and it's just a facade but not very many people realize that L.A. in and of itself is a whole movie set built yeah. uh, from the ground up by the lettered agencies. Every single place of uh, the Playboy Mansion, Brownstone Operation, total video capture. Um, you know, yeah. everywhere you look, uh, they're collecting information on people who like to get it on with hot-looking chicks over at the Playboy Mansion. Or right, so the Playboy Mansion was a precursor to Epstein. They were had a oh yeah, it was a precursor. Did you ever hear the Epstein's story a franchise? About, uh, hey, Epstein's a franchise of the Playboy administ- the Playboy administration. Well, did <laughs> the, you ever hear the story of the vault that's underneath? This is an alleged yes. story. The vault underneath that mansion. Yes. You know that story? Yes. Well, we had the blueprints of the actual tunnels. We did. We did a few shows on it. This is what we spent a lot of what we specialize in is pop culture, um, you know, social engineering, and we we spent a lot of time in the '60s because that's where it was had. And we got tape of Timothy Leary at the closeout meeting saying that they that they totally. Uh, Coley um, achieved their goal that that the mind was what they wanted in the in in that time frame and that the next thing that was going to be coming up was that they were interested in was DNA and then he proceeded to say what he was going to put out there and all of those five or six different topics UFOs a few a few different things all the things that he talked about in that closeout meeting of the social engineering team of the 1960s uh, they're all came to pass now. So uh, he was right. Uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah, no, he believed in panspermia and all that stuff. Did you ever hear him say 
he was carrying on the work of Aleister Crowley? Yeah. And he also said that what he was going to do was he was going to affect the undergraduates and the people that could be affected. And, uh, and he would get to people this way and have them start thinking about the, what he was talking about in the future now outside the, the main uh, scientific framework that exists to where people get to put their ideas forward. So he was going to go to the younger people, these mavericks, he'd find them and, uh, and go on and go out and get it done like he did get it done. And uh, we can see the result of that now. I mean, we're all a bunch of dopamine-seeking uh, button pushers uh, looking for somebody to like our picture on the Internet uh, so we can get our charge. I mean, really, uh, realistically, when we looked at it, I mean, the dopamine angle from LSD was really what they were looking for. had nothing to do with the psychedelic experience, even though that was part of it. But really, what they were experimenting with was the uh, delivery of dopamine through the LSD. And as we can see today, with the uh, military-industrial complex behavior modification system, uh, we can see that we are all on a dopamine froth on the Internet, looking for, looking for our dopamine. And uh, I even seen a few papers that I looked at. I sent them to you, Giuseppe Vafangula, where, where someone who's actually psychotic can be driven into a schizophrenic, paranoid uh, uh, episode by overdosing them on dopamine. Interesting. It is interesting. My name's Jimmy. Good. And this no, is... man, it's all that we're here. We're in the, uh, like people are saying, of the dystopia somewhere in the future. We're mm-hmm. here, man. I know. We're here now. I know. Well, listen, tell everybody, because we're coming up on the back, tell everybody your website where they can find everything uh, that you have, because it sounds to me like you're you're going to have to come back. Are you going yeah, okay, to come? Okay, great, great. And Giuseppe Vafangulo, I'm sure you're going to want to talk to William yeah. over on your show yes too. I'd like to have him come on uh, I'm I'm host or co-host and booking for three shows so I will definitely I just joined your email list so there you go. I will add you on Skype I'll definitely be in touch excellent right. see no we're making connections so we can all get this stuff out on the table and have uh, cogent intelligent discussions about what what or what not this might not be ladies a few more minutes any final questions for William before we head out no, I again, we talked about this during the break. I just want to thank William for bringing out this information. And like you said, William, this is not something you want to metastasize. So by bringing this out, we get it out in front of us and we can start to take a look at it. And the more we take a look at it, hopefully we can uh, disempower them a bit. At, le- at least they won't be in the secret in the shadows. Agreed. Very, very much. Yes. Thank you so much for your work. And, and please stay safe and... Um, keep prayer prayed up and mm-hmm. i'll keep you in my prayers too mm-hmm. thanks so much for the information i'm definitely going to get your book keep right. it, cool. keep the faith ladies and gentlemen